All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fuck, Nicks? What's happening? What is happening? I'm getting old. We're all getting old. Every day goes by, we're a little older. Not bad. It's not bad. But, you know, closer to the end. How are you? <laughs> I'm sorry, man. It's just, it seems like there's been a lot of past guests passing away lately. It's bound to happen. I mean, you know, people get older and we've been doing this a while. I mean, we've been doing this over a decade. Some of the people we talked to were old, were old when we talked to them, but some of the people who are passing away now are not that old. And it's scary and it's sad and it's the way life is sometimes, depending on how hard you live or the choices you make or just genetics. Sometimes it's uh, shorter than you want. Other times it seems to go on too long, but that's an outsider's point of view. Today on the show, listen up, it's W. Kamau Bell. He's been here five times. I think he's got the record because we don't do repeats that often. This is the fifth time he's been on the show. It's actually for good reason, people. He directed the new documentary miniseries, We Need to Talk About Cosby, which uh, I watched and I thought it was great. And I wanted to talk to him about the sort of process of of his thinking around it uh, because he's pretty well inserted in the thing he's part of it it's it's his own questioning in a lot of ways that drives it and there's some people that have been on the show uh in the documentary talking about cosby historian cliff nesteroff chris spencer godfrey but it's just a it's a provocative and it's a very thorough in a certain way, thorough in the way of the history of Cosby, but also thorough in its enabling the survivors to tell their stories and for you to hear them in, in a way where they're relatively comfortable and and not like on a, on a witness stand or or in, in a uncomfortable situation. And it, and it speaks a lot to give uh, the survivors that much of, a, of, of a, an outlet to really relax into the trauma and the story. But all in all, it's very provocative and and it really is uh, challenging to people that loved Cosby, which is a lot of people. And it really is about trying to figure out what you do with the monster up against the guy you loved when you were younger or grew to to look up to. It's it's a very it's a very uh good documentary and we talked to um we i talked to kamau about it we we're up in a hotel room in san francisco he lives in the bay area it, it was one of those situations where I, you know i don't do a lot of those kind of interviews you know on the road i've done a couple lately you know i did roy wood jr and now i did uh kamau and brendan was with me with roy wood but it was one of these things where you know we got to talking and i realized about five six minutes in that we weren't recording it and it's one <laughs> it was one of those moments where i'm like fuck God damn it. I'm like, okay, okay. He's like, I get it. You know, we've all done this before. Yes, we have. Let's start again. The frustrations of being out in the field doing the interviews. But uh, we got it and we had a great talk. It was, it was, I didn't know how long it would go on for, but it was good. It was good to uh, touch base with uh, an old friend and good to hear about this work. I mean, the process of making a, a, a Bill Cosby documentary, the, the people that wouldn't talk to him. How many people he had planned to talk to. Also, you know, uh, surprisingly, Bill Cosby gets released from prison before they finish recording. Uh, challenges, but it's all in there. And uh, we kind of give the background 
uh, in this conversation. So I was talking about <laughs> death and dying and aging. Ooh, yeah, yes, yes. My dad is, uh, I'm going to go see my dad this weekend out in New Mexico, uh, check in with him while he still is uh, aware of who I am. But I got a lot of friends who have aging parents. I guess I'm fortunate. I guess, listen to me, what, a, what an asshole. I'm fortunate that my folks are still alive. I can still talk to them. But you see it coming, man. You see it coming. I guess we all, we all know it's coming, but when you see it coming. And people are passing away here and there. And I, I find it's kind of tweaking my brain in the way where I'm like, I got I to gotta make sure I'm doing everything I want to do that I can do right now. All I know is I'm exercising too much, and now I've gone on a bender of Girl Scout cookies that I didn't even ask for. They were sent by a kid's sister. I'm not complaining, but I am kind of because, you know, I'm going to have to throw them out. I have nothing against the Girl Scouts. It seems to be a, 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 you know, a tradition, a noble undertaking, but, you know, fuck their cookies. Am I right? I mean, because, you know, you're going to get a few boxes if you buy them because, you know, it's really more about helping the Girl Scouts out. Give me a crate. You know, I'm just trying to help you guys out. But secretly, you're just feeding the monster. I got all the kinds. I got all the kinds. All right. So, look. Um, Kamau Bell is the host of the United Shades of America on CNN. The documentary series We Need to Talk About Cosby is now available on Showtime. He directed that. And I thought it was uh, necessary to talk to him about it. I talked to uh, Chris Spencer a bit about it. And then Kamau, you know, thanked me for talking to Chris Spencer. And I'm like, why don't I talk to you, man? So this is me talking to Kamau about his documentary, We Need to Talk About Cosby. All right, so I watched the documentary and I realized that on some point, at some level... This, this was a personal reckoning. So, like, what yeah. you know, what drove you to do it? Like, were you sitting around for, like, two years, you know, thinking, like, you know, someone's got to deal with this. I'm not sure that the comedic community, the black community, the community at large is really processed properly. The, the conundrum of, of, of how we feel about Cosby. Is there a way to still like the specials is there a way <laughs> to still like the the records yeah. i mean was that the was that what it was were you festering alone for a year and a half two years i mean i've been i think i've been festering since i first started quote unquote making it in show business yes. and every reporter would be like you know so who are the comedians you liked growing up and we're talking about when i sort of broke through it was like 2012 yeah, 2013 yeah. right at a time where it was like you couldn't just say bill cosby and keep it moving right and so for me it was like as a kid who grew up in Bill Cosby's America yeah. and was the perfect age for the Cosby show. And Bill Cosby himself is the greatest stand-up special for me. I never was a prior guy. I was always like, no, that's the way that feels closer to me. Yeah. That's, I guess that makes you like Cosby kind of. <laughs> <laughs> that's the only way I will take that. Uh, yeah. Uh, but, uh, that's, but yeah, so it was definitely a thing where I, I was wrestling with it because I'd have to do these interviews with people and they'd be like, and you'd have to go, how do I say Bill Cosby without sounding like I'm like denying all these accusations? Right. So, okay. Right. Okay. So then you, you, you decide that you're going to do it and you pitch it. 
I mean, it just, like I said, it's so, it's not like a thing that I was like, I went to pitch 9,000 people. It just happened to be the weird thing about if you're in this business long enough, you know, sometimes you end up in the right room at the right time. Okay. And so I was talking to the producers from Boardwalk. Right. We were having a wide open conversation about comedy docs. Right, right, right. And the idea came up, well, how would you do a comedy doc about a comedian who fell? Cosby's at the top of that list. And I had always thought in my own, when I saw Ezra's made in America, OJ Simpson, that's how you'd have to do Cosby. Right. And I talked to that guy and I, and I think that the, you know, that, that thing was, was something. Yeah. And, and like, I mean, I think personally it's like, it's one of my, I've rewatched it several times. Was it four parts, right? Four, uh, five parts, seven and a half hours. Yeah. And what was it about that thing that, that you thought was so amazing? Because you, first of all, because it, you, because every, all of us went in going, why would I want to wait to see a seven and a half hour OJ doc? Like right. there was, he was not compelling enough as an individual. Right. But when you look out at America and go, here's what America was doing at the time, I'm always interested in that. Like yeah. I'm always interested, like how did America, how did America sort of create this circumstance, accelerate this circumstance? And then it also had like a lot of deep dive stuff about LA that I had no knowledge about. Like Johnny Cochran's young career, right. Watts, like stuff that, that you'd be like, why is he telling me about Watts? OJ's yeah. not from Watts, and right. then you would go, "Oh, but this is interesting." Well, but but how much of it was about this idea that you know he is presented, and what? Because it seems to me that with OJ, that the, the difference between the 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 black and white reaction mm-hmm. to the verdict what was different, and there was there was a certain amount of like you know who cares what the truth is? Yes, he's ours, and you can all fuck off, or not even he's ours. Who cares what the truth is? He, He's black. You can all fuck off. Okay, well, that's, <laughs> like, I, th- that's I think I mean. some of it was yeah, ours, yeah. but some of it was like just black. Period. Just the fact that he's a that this is you couldn't get this black guy. Right. You yeah, got a lot. Not, of, you've gotten yeah. a lot of us. You can't get this one. <laughs> <laughs> right. So that you know, and 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 I think in that sense, when you're dealing with Cosby, and I think it was very you know careful and and not careful, but but correct of you to say like he wasn't just a, a black guy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cosby was everybody's guy, yeah, and yeah. and that was part of the, the 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 strange thing about his personality and how he designed it, mm-hmm. and 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 right, and yeah. and also like there there comes to a point where it's like, does he even want to be a black guy? Does he want to be every black guy's black right. guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but so how how was what was the original concept for structure? I mean, I didn't think I would be narrating it. I didn't think it would be. I didn't think it would start on "Hi, my name is" the right. way it starts on. Interesting. Uh, I so, thought it would be sort of like OJ Simpson. I was really like looking forward to the opportunity to step behind and not be in something, and so it was really like, oh, I'll get to actually just be be a director because that's okay. I so do. you were going to just line up a bunch of guests, hey, which is what yeah, like go get the get all the people who would do it who were and also let's remember Cosby was in prison when I started this so it was like I thought oh we can have the discussion now because he's going to either spend the rest of his life in prison or he's going to get out as a very old man and so I felt like maybe the time is right for the discussion Yeah, we can get away with it behind his back (laughs) behind his back I thought he would know about it but I didn't think well let me be clear about this because some people have asked about this it's not a conversation with Bill Cosby it's a conversation about Bill Cosby no I get it and and you know because uh, but you thought so how did the booking go the guest booking (laughs) well I mean 
I know yeah. you got a lot of Godfrey. I was God. like, there's Godfrey. He's the best thing that's ever <laughs> happened to Godfrey. God for Godfrey. Thank God for Chris Spencer. <laughs> but uh, I didn't know Godfrey had uh, he'd worked opened a, he'd for op- he, he was part of the, his, the the CBS Cosby show that was after the, he was the Cosby warm-up. show. He was the warm-up guy. So yeah. So when I found that out, I was like, oh, he's connected. Also, Godfrey is an outspoken comedian, so I know he'll have stuff to say. Uh-huh. Yeah, he's not afraid of- And he of, can do impressions. And he can do, and he can do a good Cosby <laughs> impression, which we didn't know we would be so excited to have. But then I was like, let's sprinkle that throughout. It's great. <laughs> Here. Here's my problem knowing, you know, because I'm a comic, yeah. you're a comic, and I'm watching this. There were moments where I'm like, good for Godfrey. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I was like, I hope good for Godfrey because he's got it. He's also experiencing the uh, back, the backlash or blacklash. So, is there? Oh, yeah, man. There, really? There are a percentage of black people, percentage of people, first of all, but certainly a percentage of black people who either they don't believe the survivors, which is its own problem in my mind, or they believe them, but they sort of do this math of like, it is better to have the good that he did than the bad that he did, so I got to ride with it. Like. Well, I think that was a driving force, it seems, from watching it, was that, you know, to give the survivors real time mm-hmm. and also for for them to have the opportunity to talk about the, the one thing they all talked about was like, when I heard her, I was like, oh, it wasn't just me. When I heard her, because that's pretty damning mm-hmm. when you got five or six of those. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And 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 I don't think that anybody in in one sort of lump or one sort of context has heard any of those survivors go at length, unless you were in the courtroom or wherever those things were, or or you were their lawyer, yeah, you know, at de- yeah, deposition yeah. of some kind, yeah. So and I thought too that the the natural thing, the natural natural humanization that happens. Mm-hmm. When you know you can sit there and watch somebody talk or tell a story and the nuances of those things, yeah, I found that to be. It, you know, I don't even want to use the word damning, but but because this isn't a trial, but it was sort of like there's no reason mm-hmm. any of these women mm-hmm. would make any of this shit up, and and especially they're all a lot of this happened to them thirty forty years ago. Like, why would you still be riding on a lie like this? Well, uh, yeah, and a lot of them didn't even want to talk about it. Didn't want to talk, and and uh, to be fair, like a lot of them were like. The only reason they thought they would talk about it now is because they were like they they believed in they'd seen my work before and they're like well if anybody can pull this thing off it's you is what I was being like so like they were like I'm going to trust you which is why even though I often wanted to quit I was like I can't do it because these women are, have have trusted me. But what were they trusting you with? What did they? What needed to happen that wasn't happening? I know that well, you're saying there's backlash and there's. Yeah, I, I think that the worst thing that happened was you know once he got put in jail, uh, you know there was like okay that's done with, and then and also there was an apathy in general after a certain point. Yeah, I mean I think the thing that they that we were trying to pull off was and that they had to agree to because they had to understand is like we're not just going to talk about the assaults and the rapes. Yeah. We're going to talk. You're going to be in a thing that also talks about the good he did. Right. Okay. Okay. Which, which is a very so you different had to, thing. This you had is, to present that to them. This is not surviving R. Kelly, which is the doc that I was also inspired by for this. It had to be like, look, you have to understand that there are going to be portions of this that are about the good he did or his career in a pot that will be come off in a positive way. Yeah. But also, if you want to, you can weigh in on that stuff, which some of them did. So, like, I was pretty blown away that like we have like like Lisa Lot Lublin or uh, Lily Bernard, who are both black women, and even an Eden Turrell all black women who are all able to talk about like the good stuff. And so the first time you see them on screen, they're just sort of like, yeah, the Cosby show was great or whatever. And you don't know that they're also survivors because we don't ID them as survivors at that point. So it was like, 
you have to, and some of them were like, I'll be in this, but I don't want to talk about any of the good stuff. Fine, fair. But with many of them, we were able to like, so the audience doesn't even know who they're, who they're hearing from until the stories happen. Now, who were the people? So how many people do you, <laughs> you reach out to that were like, no, like you, I mean, we talked before a little bit yeah. uh, before I, I realized I wasn't recording sure. that, uh, there were a lot of comedians. Like the idea was like, you know, I can, I can cover his, his influence on comics by talking to comics. Yeah. Like I had this idea that like, cause it really, like I really, a big part of this for me was to really talk about Bill Cosby himself as an important comedy statement. That was for me, which is why I had a hard time throwing it all away. Cause like, I'm still inspired by that. Well, yeah. I mean, I didn't come to that till later in life. I, know, I remember that. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. We talk about that. Yeah. You know, I've like, heard you, I've heard you talk about it. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, I just, I never really dealt with Cosby that much. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I had the records and stuff, but it, it wasn't, and I never watched the Cosby show much. I, did, yeah. I knew him. and I, you, were, I mean, you were a little bit outside of that for a couple reasons. Yeah, well, yeah I just, I don't yeah. remember watching much TV. Maybe yeah. it was not my age group. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm still, I've seen maybe four episodes of Seinfeld. And I'm not being, you know, like a, No, you were, you were out in the clubs at something. that point. Yeah. You weren't, you weren't trying to, yeah, you were at home on, thir- you were at Thursday nights featuring and headlining. You something, weren't, yeah, doing yeah. something. Yeah. I just didn't watch your know, regular television, you know, yeah. since I was a little kid, but but when I finally sat down and watched Bill Cosby himself, I was like, "There, the what I got out of it was, you know, oh, you decide." Yes, <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. there's no, yeah, there's no rules to funny. It's like you want to sit down and tell your story, you yeah. decide what's funny and mm-hmm. make it funny. You want to take your time, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah you want to, you want to just sort of, you just want to like get there when you get there, and now and think about the audience secondarily to the thing. Yeah, but yeah, but you know, yeah. there it takes a lot of uh, confidence and and sort of focus to do that and yeah. deliberate. But but I get that. Okay, so so I thought I would have a bunch of different comedians, and there's been articles written by of comedians talking about how great it is. So I thought, oh. Yeah. We'll get the comedians from yeah. that article to talk about yeah. it, and it was just those that didn't know. Hmm. No, and no, but these are people you know relatively well. Some of them, I mean, some of them either I know them relatively well, or I know they know who I am because we've interacted on in occasions, or people who I've reached out to. You know, some people you're just cold calling, reaching out to. But yeah, it was, and then people who all levels. Like I just want to be clear, like it's not just. It yeah. was like yeah, but it was just people that I thought, oh, they'll do it. What oh, was the no. wait, so? What did they say? I mean, I think there's a, there's a variety there's a variety of, way, of reasons to get here, but it basically what it boiled down to is like this is too thorny, this is too there's not like I don't know how to get in here and get out safely. Was that surprising to you that it was thorny? It was surprising to me at first, and then after more people said it, then I was like, oh, I'm the one who didn't get it. Huh? What do you like, mean? Like I was naive. Huh? Like I came to this too naive to go. Oh no, the Cosby's in prison. We can talk about this, and then I realized, oh, I'm the I'm one of the select few people who thinks this way. That, that, so there's still like, and, and I, I guess I'm going to keep hammering this, but yeah, please do. But there's still part of primarily the black community that's protective of his legacy. I would say the com- comedian community, like the black community specifically, but I'm talking about comedians of all, like of lots of different racial groups. Okay, but fine, but I, I don't quite understand what they think's gonna happen to them. That, you know, there's, <laughs> it doesn't seem like Bill's got a lot of friends that are gonna cause any damage. That was the weirdest thing about all of it. It's like, no one's standing up for this guy. Well, I in mean, show business. Well, but they're also. I think they're also not coming after him. They're not also not. They're not like standing on top of him either. That's right. They're, yeah, they're like they're sort of. He made just a like, lot of people a lot of money. He did, and also it's just easier to go like, oh, that thing happened, and 
it doesn't come up in your regular conversations because nobody wants to talk about but the, it. Yeah, but the one thing that you weren't really able to get at was that, as we have learned over time, is that none of this shap- none of this kind of shit happens in a vacuum. Well, yeah. So, but no one was willing to say like, oh yeah, you know, everyone knew. Mm-hmm. There was a, I don't remember in the documentary, you know, everyone, you know, people talked about that assistant yeah. who was a facilitator, yeah. but that's it, man. And, you know, and you've got to assume that more than him knew what was going on. <laughs> well, I think that's the, that's the thing we, we got to around the Cosby show that it was like, I think a lot of this was sort of two things. One is framed as infidelity, uh-huh, which right. I think you, the, you know, and he's I'm, a fuck around. Yeah. So, okay. and, and who are you going to be mad at? If you're mad at that guy for fucking around like you just look around so i think a lot of it and i think that that helps that helps cover up a lot i think framing it is like just like covering it up as the casting couch with weinstein covers up a lot Mm -hmm. like oh this is the thing we do here everybody's in on it you don't understand that like no many of these people don't want to be in that room yeah so i think a lot of it is that it must have been creepy dude i mean that's for a certain point I mean, when the when Joseph C. Phillips, who was in the Cosby Show, and uh, Lily Bernard, who was one of the survivors, talks about the parade of women after the rehearsal, a parade of women would just parade to the green room and just sort of line up outside of his not the green outside of his dressing room and one at a time go in, and just sort of like they would close the door. And I think one of the 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 Stephen Watkins, one of the stage managers, says his door was always open except for then. And then you hear Lily Bernard's story about being sort of escorted into his dressing room, and he sort of you know, a, a, you know, grabs her yeah. and she sort of just doesn't know what to make of it. You imagine how many times did that happened and how many times did that person not get out the right. way that she did. All right. So you get, okay. So you finally start seeing, you know, who's going to you know show up for you. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's, it's Godfrey. It's Godfrey. Chris Spencer, yep. Wayne Fetterman as a historian, <laughs> Wayne Fetterman, who I believe me, Wayne Fetterman as yep. a historian. Great. Thanks and, Wayne. And then Cliff, who, you know, I talked yep, to a who lot. I learned about through you. Cliff yeah. uh, Nesteroff. Now, okay, so these are your these are some of your guys. These so are now, the comedy people, right? So once you start in on this thing, you know what's how do you outline it? What where do you start? I mean, it very clearly from the first meeting that we had about it, uh, it was like we knew we sort of even though you don't want to do things chronologically, it just sort of felt like his career is so massive that you have you gotta to lay sort of, it out you gotta lay it out and then you can jump around within the chronology which we do a little bit well that was kind of genius where you had either actual uh photographs of the women or or the suggestive sort yes. of uh, S- avatars silhouettes. Yeah. silhouettes yeah you know that that you fit into a timeline yeah so you can kind of see like when it accelerated when yeah. was you know at his most predatory yeah. and uh you know how many women were involved uh because like those numbers are there they're available they're they're yes you know and it's and he's a pretty prolific rapist well and i think that's the thing for even those of us who believe the survivors you don't ever see it laid out right and you sort of goes it's been more than 60 and that just sort of number just sort of sits out there but to look at it in a graphic in which we decided at the end i was like we have to see something that really puts it all together and also like the weird thing is is like you know when when you see numbers on their own Mm -hmm. and and you just think cosby 60 70 it's like how is that even possible it's like it's possible. Yeah. How long does that shit take? Well, you're think, talking one night, one hour in a life. Yeah. And you're also talking about the fact, I don't think we all realize it went back so far in his career. Right. But like, it's like, you know, like if you're yeah. doing that and you're out and you're in environments where that can happen mm-hmm. and there's 365 days in a year, mm-hmm. 60 is even like, it's, it's, a, it's not that big a number, man. Well, as Renee Graham says, if it's 60 who've come forward, it's, it's probably more. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, okay, so you start chronologically. And, yeah. and what are the first 
sort of as the guy who is the, who you present yourself at the beginning of this thing is like, look, man, I loved Cosby. We all loved Cosby. Mm-hmm. America loved Cosby. Look at his amazing career. He's the first black guy to be this black guy. Mm-hmm. He was the first black guy to be, be that, that black, black guy. guy. Yeah. So like, you know, we all loved him and, and the white people were starting to love him. This guy was amazing. At what point during the process of unfolding this stuff or unpacking it, and then presenting yourself as the guy who's like, I'm wrestling yeah. with how to contextualize or recontextualize Cosby yeah. in, in my heart and in my mind. Yeah. So what when did you what were the first obstacles? Like well, wh- where were you? You were like, oh fuck, what am what am I doing? Oh, well, okay. So for the first obstacles is realizing like, okay, I'm not gonna be I'm not gonna have a I'm not gonna have A list comedians or lots of comedians in this. I'm not gonna have a lot of people who were, who worked with him. And I, I had conversations with people who with comedians who worked with him. Great conversations that ultimately ended up with no. I'm not gonna have so there so this so the thing that like I think Showtime wants and I want, but really is like you're not gonna have a poster with a bunch of famous people's names on it yeah. to sort of go look at all these people who showed up for this. Yeah. And then uh, a pandemic hit in the middle of all this that mm-hmm. we so we like the challenge of like how do we still make this the idea is we we're going to fly around the country to a bunch of survivors we're going to spend a lot of time in Philly how do we do that now that we now the whole that the whole world is shut down mm. and so I think those two challenges in particular were the ones of like and then like will we get enough survivors to show up? The survivors ended up, and that was through my producer Geraldine and Katie King and Kelly Rafferty, that they like really, the survivors were actually ended up being the easiest people to recruit. We didn't get all 60, we didn't we didn't expect to, but we got enough from different eras that it felt like we could build the filled out the picture. Are there out name? are all those 60 names out? Some of them are Jane Doe's, right. but there are, but I would say most of them, as I understand it, are out there. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I think we were also trying to be careful to like, but some of these people came forward and then dis- never came forward, like said their piece and haven't gone out and done a lot. So we didn't want to be like, go look these people up, you know, so yeah. you can go find them, but we don't want them to feel like we're bringing it. Cause they, they all talk about the negative attention they get from it. And so some of them have really said, I don't give a shit. I'm going to be out here and do activism based on this. Yeah. But a lot of them, I think were like, I, I said what I said and I'm not saying it. I'm not going to take the heat anymore. Yeah. I'm not, that's not going to that's be not, my life. That's not, I'm not going to be defined by that. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. So, so the obstacles were the pandemic, you know, the, the not getting uh, uh, support or contribution from, from major names in show business. And then, but, but what, so what makes you go on? Because like when you talk about the OJ doc, yeah, they got almost everybody. <laughs> well, like, yeah, but, but you're also talking about the, uh, you know, a, a kind of a re reframing of, of the story mm-hmm. in a way where you're forced to, as an individual of any color, you know, to reckon with, yeah. you know, what is really the evidence. Right. Yeah. So on some level, it, I took it when, when you said we, we need to talk about Cosby, that in some ways it was a direct appeal yeah. to the black community <laughs> to, to, to sort of like, what are we doing? Well, I think, I mean, I think it's a direct appeal to people who specifically the black community, because it's very clear that this, there's pieces of this doc that are about black folks and I'm talking to black people directly, but it's also like, again, he was America's dad. So all of us who grew up in that era and sort of took him in as our dad or people older than me who just sort of like, that's my guy, right. white, who is like, that we need to all talk about Cosby. Okay, I guess, yeah. you know, in, in, as I'm saying it over and over again, I'm realizing, well, maybe I'm being like, because I don't, like, we are all looking to, like, not just the comic community, but like, white people are looking to, like, what are you black people going to do about this? How we, <laughs> that's, wait, 
That's not, and it's not, it's not just our problem. No, I know that. Yeah. But, but yeah. it's a natural thing. You know, yeah. So like, what yeah. is the reaction? Because like, but what is, what, what, but it seems that media will always go that way because mm-hmm. what is it? How do you generalize the white reaction to Cosby? I mean, I think that the, the levels of reaction are just different. So I think like, this is what I'm saying. You could find me a very famous white comedian who of the right age. So we're not talking about somebody young, but we're talking about somebody who is, who is a famous white comedian who exists in the world and go, do you want to talk about Bill Cosby? And that guy's going to say no, because he's also under the umbrella of Bill Cosby. So for me, when you say that we need to talk about Cosby, for me, it was this thing where like, I feel like these conversations are happening either not at all, or they're happening in segments. And we have, and I feel like there's value in having the whole conversation. Now, for some people, they don't want to have the whole conversation. Well, they, luckily, there's other program, programming for you. But I really felt like there is a, a percentage of people, a large percentage of people who are like, I haven't been able to have this conversation or figure out how to have this conversation. And, and embedded in this to me is like empathy for survivors and help. How do we change the structures so that this doesn't happen again? Because it's not like the industry, despite what we think would happen during Me Too, things haven't flipped in a whole new way. Things haven't, the industry hasn't been rebuilt. So, so in, in terms of, is there a way for the, two, you know, for, for the two realities or experiences of Cosby, you know, pre-revelation you know, and, and yeah. post-acceptance you know, of said revelation uh, to, to, to still have a place for this guy that that can exist in those two worlds. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's the question. Well, for me, it's not even a question because I can't remove Cosby from my cultural black man DNA. Yeah, I can't remove the good stuff. Sure. There, so I think for me, it's like, how do I then live with it? Because I can't act like, well, I'm just going to pretend like I wasn't inspired by Bill Cosby himself. I'm just going. I'm not going to. I'm not going to think about all the good things I got from watching the Cosby Show. I can't do that. So, but I think there would be this idea that like, well, now that he's done this, you have to do that. And it's like, it's not possible. So how do you then live with it is the question. For and me. Did, was that, was this, uh, was this, did you realize that was a question that you were seeking to answer in, in, before you made the doc or is, did that sort of evolve? I mean, it started on the whole, I mean, I think it started on the art versus artist thing. And then, and then once we got into it, it was like, that sort of felt like sort of like low hanging fruit. And really it became about like. How do we create, how do we stop this from happening? How do we create more safety here? How do we believe survivors okay, okay. sooner? So, so, the, the, so that, that whole argument sort of exists in the world. It's not even an argument. It's like, you, you know, either you're going to be able to still appreciate the person that turns out to be horrible because they did some amazing stuff and you're going to be able to separate it. Uh, you know, whether the, you know, in, in terms of retrospect, the stuff, amazing stuff they did still has and any any credit to mm-hmm, it who mm-hmm. knows right so you're dealing with that i mean even on some level you know there have been people trying to, to to kind of like you know you know martin luther king to some people gets a little murky well yeah i mean there's there's i mean he was you know he was a he was a human being sure exactly yeah. okay not to be clear not as murky as cosby no yeah, a, but it's yeah. not murky it's a, a human being's one thing you know yeah. it's sort of like you know the road's the road yeah but a rapist is a rape yeah no this and i want to be clear that i don't want anybody to listen to think right. i'm, I'm a, but martin luther king was a it was a he's a he, man he's a man and he was a popular man who was apparently on the road as popular men sure. are right yeah so so that's different i mean yeah, for what, sure what, what, what we, we've tried to be clear in that like infidel we're not 
making this doc if it's about infidelity. Right. No, this is about a, a sociopath and a predator and and a, and a rapist. Right. So it's about consent. It's about yeah. It's about lack. It's about not respecting consent and yeah, infidelity. A, that, that's diplomatic. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but I'm saying infidelity. Impl- if this infidelity implies consent, this is right. Not right. Yeah. It's a, yeah. It's a. It's hard to ask for consent when someone's unconscious. But, so. Yeah. But okay, so so when you're laying out the history of Cosby, mm-hmm. because this is stuff that pre-existed your life and my life, you know, this is, we were young, mm-hmm. you know, and whenever he makes his first break, that was like sixty, what two? Sixty, yeah, 60, 62, 63 is when he starts getting on late night TV. So yeah, that's when I'm born, and you're not yeah. even an idea yet. Nope, nope. But, parents but haven't like, met yet. So so this is something you've got to look at in that editing room, you know, as you're building this thing. It's sort of like holy fuck. Yeah. You know, and, and then sort of make the connection. Not even the editing room. All my computer in my house with files being mailed to me because there's no because of the pandemic. Right, but so, but like, the, the, just sort of like you know the the the, the history of of Black America alongside yeah. of what he's doing because there, there's there's a way to approach that critically as well. In that you know, some people spoke to it. I don't remember the woman's name about that. He wasn't addressing it, but but yeah. ultimately his existence. Yeah, is addressing it. Yes, yes, yeah. And then and then after that, his actions. Are very progressive in 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 the name of the community. Well, and also that's the thing. I mean, the the first story that made me sort of feel like somebody's got to tell this story, and this is where before I thought I would ever get the opportunity was after, in the wave of all the accusers coming forward, the survivors coming forward. I read an article about this woman named Noni Robinson, who's a film director who's directing a film about the history of black stunt performers and how she that was did, an interesting sideline, huh? Yeah, that to me that's where this starts. Yeah, as a like. How do, like, because a lot of this could be boiled down to whether you, I don't want it to be about do you think Cosby's funny? It's yeah. not about that. It's about what do you think about his career? Right. And he specifically uh, during the his when he got I Spy, he saw that they were using a white stunt performer to do his stunts, painting in blackface, him, in, blackface in legitimate blackface, painting his arms black and everything. And he said, "I refuse to do. I refuse to be on this show unless you get me a black stunt performer." And the people in the black, in the stunt industry, the black stunt performers say that's the moment things changed. Yeah, it wasn't about like oh that was a, a piece of the thing. That's the moment things changed. And so for me, it was like okay, that's bigger than whether or not people think he's funny. That's actually a part of our history. And she had a documentary that eventually is going to come out now, I guess. But like that, she couldn't figure out what to do with because she'd interviewed Bill Cosby for two hours and felt like she couldn't use that interview now because of all the stories of the accusers. And, and so it was like, where's she at with that? She it's apparent. I think because of our film, she now she feels like she can figure it out. So uh-huh. it will come out because so, I think so it's an that, important. But that's story. the point where it's like Bill Cosby gets black people jobs and didn't take credit. Didn't go take credit for it. Didn't get a headline for it. Nobody. No. Mo, I've talked no, to many what white people. White people do yeah, exactly. But also, <laughs> you would think in the mid sixties, you might be a black guy who wants to get some good press. A champion of and yeah, he the cause. he didn't do it. And a, and this is you know. So I think that was just, and to me, I'm like. People who don't know this story, and this yeah. is an important story about black history. Right. It and, is. And, and also, he did these other things, but how do you, you can't let that story go. But that was sort of an interesting, kind of like coincidental sidebar. You know, like yeah. you were like, wow, that were, how'd we get here? And you find that woman who's got this other issue with Cosby. Yeah. So, all right. So you're moving through this stuff. And, and that's what I learned from Ezra's piece, like how to take, try to, how to, how, can you take sidebars and get back to the main road? 
Sure. And and can you put somebody into a historical perspective and it doesn't overwhelm, you know, the, the, the fact that the, we're talking the about the balance awful. you're trying to maintain. Yeah, try the I was always thinking about like we always I, I would say to the editors and the producers, we always have to remind people that another shoe is eventually going to drop. We can't make people think that like we get they tricked them into watching a different documentary. But you like present, you know, the the stunt thing, you know, his, you know, the, his becoming a leading man, his yeah. becoming a, you know, a, you know, definitely the black white line was you know, it, it went yeah. away for him to a degree. Yeah. And all the stuff with Poitier. And, and then, like, uh, and then at some point, you start to drop the timeline in. Yeah. You know, when did this mm-hmm. other mm-hmm. thing start happening? Yeah. Or, or yeah. also, you said, oh, I remember what I was going to say, is that you really started to build his family life. Yeah. That he built this family life. Yeah, and publicly built this thing. So, yeah. Well, that was the other thing, is that there was that, that subtextual argument of the, the portrait of a sociopath. Which is like, what was, you know, compartmentalizing and, and just him, you know, what, which, what, was this all a, a front mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. facilitate his, his base intentions? Mm-hmm. That's a hard argument to make, but yeah. you, you definitely posit that as a psychological assessment. Well, I think uh, uh, Jelani Cobb puts it the best. He's like, there, people want to make this Dr. Je- Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. But there's an argument that it's all Mr. Hyde. Uh-huh. And I don't think we can. I, I really was like, I'm not going to try to answer that question because that's not I'm not in the position to do that. This isn't that level of this isn't true crime. It's more like, how do we deal with all these pieces? And I just want to have the audience go, let's let's just sort of sift through this stuff and let's see and let's see where we come out on the other side. And we don't have to come out in the same place as long as we agree that these things happened. I don't think anybody is necessarily capable. I'm not capable of diagnosing him. Well, no, I, I, right, right, right. Yeah, there's people that are capable. There are, no, I'm not. But I say, I just feel like as a, as a person who's making this, there's lots of arguments that are presented in here. But, right, but see, but, but I guess, you know, in that sense, you know, like with psychological assessment or framing it, you know, as all uh, a sham, you know, what, what precedent is set for assessing, you, you know, people in general and artists in general and people, you, you know what I mean? It's like, is it better just to say like, well, you know, he had this mentally ill problem, but it, but do you need to say that, you know, Dr. Huxtable was, was just all, you know, that was just uh, so he could rape people. Well, I mean, this is where we start to dig through what we call the breadcrumbs of like, isn't this strange mm. that he could have any job on the Cosby show that he wanted to oh, have. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, like, just where you, you know, go. Gynecologist. <laughs> OBGYN. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. where is this, and is, I mean, and to me, I'm not, and where is his, where is his office? It's TV. It could be anywhere. Mm. It's in the basement of his house. It's just to me, or it's like, okay, one Spanish fly joke in the 1960s. Well, yeah, hey, swinging 60s. What's Pete, what's family friendly is different. Yeah. But on Larry King, he make, well, we've all seen Again, that clip. Yeah. He makes the joke about Spanish fly. And he's an older man at this point. That's mm. where he's still telling this joke. You think he would have aged out of this joke. And then what we found out during the series is that he was there promoting a book called Childhood that has like several in, uh, in, uh, mentions of Spanish fly in the book. Uh-huh. You're like, this is just a lot, man. Yeah. Like it's not like to me, it's like that's what I think when you start to dig through and find these breadcrumbs, you start to go like, this doesn't what is it is it like that you that because you're doing these bad things that you just they just sort of leak out of you because you can't stop them or is it because cliff at one point says he's a he's a narcissist yeah and i don't go that's right he's a narcissist but i feel like cliff is like saying this is what i see from this perspective because if i do it it's not bad and you go well that's one side of it and then jelani cobb says maybe it's all mr hyde maybe it's all an e maybe you know you're evil and you're sort of doing all of this manipulatively I don't know what the answer is there, but I do know that all of this exists. 
That, that's true. And, and maybe I'm being a, a, a little too, uh, too critical of, of that assessment because like, you know, entertainers, they're, you know, they're not, you know, really moral known for moral integrity in general. And you, but and they're not also, but, but, and, but Mark, I would say you don't claim to be a moral authority and we have a man here who claims that, to be that, a moral Well, that's authority. the next twist, right? Yeah. yeah. Is that, that like, this evolves into this other thing. Like we all sort of accept, and I'm not, I'm not in any way indicting, any, I'm not saying anything about, but we all accept that Richard Pryor was probably not the greatest dude. You know of what course, I mean? Of course, but yeah. like with that, but, 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 but because he'd be he, the first to tell but you. But that's the difference right there yeah, is that yeah. Richard Pryor sort of owns his like, I'm not the greatest dude. And I've told you about I'm not the greatest dude. And I shot How many my, times do I got to tell you? <laughs> exactly. Like, <laughs> and so we sort of, we sort of have room for him yeah. in ways we might not if he was also saying, I'm the greatest dude. Yeah. Whereas with this Cosby story, that's why I think it gets into this sort of like, well, what's really going on here? Because it's a dude who told us he was the greatest dude. And told us he wanted us to be gr- the greatest people, and then and then you know, made you realize that there's no way you can be great. And like then when him. you say there's sexual, that there's women who who claim that he assaulted them on the set of his show, til- on the set of his children's TV show, Picture Pages. Oh my god, that's exactly it right there. Oh my god, like it's just like how do I? How does all this live in my head? And to me, I always thought of this doc as like once we got into it, once Showtime was like it's I was there was just sort of the idea of like okay, there's not all these famous comedians in it, or all these people directly, all these people couldn't directly connect to him. Yeah. Then it was like then Kamau, you have to be in this, right? And so I was like, do I? And I talked to my wife, Melissa, and she's like, yeah, you do, because otherwise it's not going to hang together. So I sort of and I the the most nervous I think I've recorded for VO in my life was when I sat in my wife's closet because this is the VO booth going. Uh, my name's W. Kamal Bell, and I'm a child of Bill Cosby. Because I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be at the top of this thing. Mm. Like, I didn't think I was gonna be at the top of this. Thing. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm, I'm aiming it all at me now. Yeah. And but ultimately, the thing that I sort of really want the doc to be is like, this is a bunch of smart people who have thought this through, who are sensitive and empathetic. Because I don't want those other people who are not. And if you have a Bill Cosby conversation, these are all different versions of the Bill Cosby conversation. Yeah, I think like a lot of people, you could actually see some, I don't remember exactly who they were, but there was a sense of inner struggle. Yeah, because a lot of them are black people around my age. Yeah. Like, so that they like went, they have, they have gone through it in the same way that I've gone through it. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, and, but they did come out on the side of like, damn. Damn. Well, which to me is like, again, that's, if you don't come out on the side of damn, I don't know how to, I don't know, I don't, I don't want, I don't know how to bring you into this conversation. Now, how was it in, in terms of how many survivors are in it that you spoke to for like what seemed to be I mean, a it's, long time? Uh, there's, I mean, so there's in, in the first episode, Victoria Valentino gets the long, gets, is like the main survivor. Then in the second episode, there's uh, Patricia Steyer, uh, Janice, Linda. Mm-hmm. In the third episode, it's Lily and uh, Eden Turrell. And also Lisa, Lisa mm-hmm. a lot Lublin, and yeah, and then there's other survivors we talked to in the timeline. So there's probably, but those are the major ones. And how did you handle those those interviews? I mean, what what was the? Were you nervous? Yeah, the very first interview we did was with Victoria Valentino. It was in the first episode. Yeah, and we were all like, and that was actually in person. A lot of these interviews were not because I was in my house, but uh, so. We were all, the whole crew was like really like up on our toes, just sort of like, she's going to be here in a minute. Everybody ready? Like, <laughs> sort of a like dudes 
act right. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like yeah, sort of yeah, like, yeah. and they were all cool, but it was just like, okay, when she comes in, we don't know how she's going to be. Give her a space. We set up a green room for her. We bought her flowers. We did like, it was very much like, let her tell us what to do. Let's take the mm-hmm, keys. Mm-hmm. And Victoria walked in like, Hey everybody. <laughs> like It was just like, she yeah. gave, she's giving hugs to everybody. Yeah. She gave me a copy of her playboy magazine. Like, yeah, you know, like, yeah. you know, she asked me questions about United shade. She was like, all of us relaxed. Okay. Oh, and then we sat her down and then we, when we sat down on the couch, I was always very clear that before we get into anything with Bill Cosby, where are you from? What do you do? What's your life like? What was what was it like growing up? Yeah. And then the more you, and this is what I've learned from United Shades, the more you do that, then by the time you get to the thing, people are actually more open to the conversation. Yeah, because it's just it's 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 just a thing in, in another thing in the conversation. You're just built, and they know you're building to it instead of like being nervous at the beginning of the conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then what happened is inside of that. We got stories that we didn't know we were going to get because we just took more time. And so that conversation was over two hours, the first one. And we didn't know, my producer who talked to her, Geraldine, didn't know that her son had died so close before she'd met Bill Cosby. That came up in the conversation. and Horrible. Yeah. And then we also, all that stuff, I wanted to get all this stuff about Playboy from her because she'd been a playmate and a part of the Playboy clubs. And I was like, oh, we can actually use this stuff in the stuff we talk about the Playboy and Hugh yeah. Hefner. So... But you just sort of like get all this extra stuff that I was really clear on. I want these women as much as possible to appear for the first time not connected to Bill Cosby. Yeah. So you just go, this is just a voice. A voice. Oh, she's, of course, she's an expert. She talks, she worked at Playboy, you know. Yeah, a full so, other story, yeah. Yeah, so, for, but, and then, so, by, at the time we got that Victoria one, and then the rest, most of them were done, Lisa's was not, but most of them were done over Zoom, and it was just... You sort of like, am I going to be able to get that level of intimacy over Zoom? And it's weird, you but you did. We did. I mean, yeah. you've done it here with the podcast. Yeah, so you can. You do. You just sort of like, everybody's aware it's Zoom, and you sort of make jokes about Zoom, and you say, oops, I'm muted, and you sort of like, just sort of like, you know, go into you it. You stay focused, and if there's not other people in the room and stuff, you can kind of hold it. And everybody, like, everybody knows what they're there for, so it's, and we were very clear by the end, like, because we had to hire a lot of like day players to do the P- it was just because it was COVID we couldn't get the same people and you just make sure everybody who comes to the door knows what they're there for and knows how to be as as invisible as possible and you know but like I interviewed like Gloria Hendry who was the first black Bond girl and she was just having a great time yeah she's great and she stood up and did the thing where she sh- like nobody asked her to she just stood up and did the thing where she bent over at the oh, table yeah, yeah, with the and, Playboy thing. And, we're, and there was like a boom opera in the back and they're like oh we should have her do it again and move. I was like well, you know, I don't care at all just let these people be yeah. my whole style of interviewing for me is just let these people be don't yeah. try to manage them into an answer Yeah. and so yeah so all the survivors like they were they by the time they decided to show up it was just clear that they had already done the work to be there Sure, and they they had, had grounded themselves and, and and done whatever mental preparation. They, and they've done enough of these things where they sort of like the more comfortable, the more you make it clear that that you're not here just for the sad part, the more they relax. So, like when Cosby takes that turn, like, and I I don't know the timeline of Cosby, but you know when he made that speech, pound cake speech, the pound cake 2004. speech, yeah, that uh, you know changed you know, every, everybody's mind about him. Uh, lots of people's yeah yeah like like what so by the time you know hannibal you know somehow dumps this into the world in a way that resonates 2014 yeah what is the feeling about cosby in general i think i mean this is funny because uh in 20 when so when cosby does the pound cake speech me like a lot of black people my what year age, was that 2004 oh wow which okay. was the same year sure. that andrew constant came forward and said that he had raped her. So it's like all of this is happening simultaneously. Uh-huh. But generally, most of us are looking at the pound cake speech and not really paying attention to this Andrew Constantine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So 
when he does the pound cake speech, I and a lot of, I remember, you know, Kevin Avery, we were both like, oh, this is such a bummer. Like, it just felt like, like, oh, man. Like, he's, and, you know, we know a lot of older black people who get conservative. Yeah. But you're like, not Cosby. Uh-huh. And it felt so mean. Like, it didn't feel like, didn't feel like tough love. It yeah, because like, felt this like is the guy that you established throughout the documentary is being a guy that is concerned with educating mm-hmm. and is an educator and believes in the and believes in all of us, not just the ones of us who are doing well. Right, and yeah. then all of a sudden he turns into this. He turns into like uh, like an you know if he went from being America's dad to Black America's angry grandfather yeah, and yeah. like making fun of the ways in which Black people name their kids and one of the names he uses to make fun of them is Muhammad. You're like that name like of yeah. all the names to like choose to like say. And, it, you know, and so it just felt, it felt out of touch. It felt like a dude who was super rich and was almost bitter about the fact that, didn't I tell you all how to get super rich? Yeah. And you're not all super rich. There's a bit of that going around these days. Yeah, it is. I think it's more of that than we realize. Yeah. yeah. I told you how to get super rich yeah. and how to, I told you how to rise out of your poverty and uh-huh. you didn't do it. And now yeah. I'm mad at you. And it was also, it sort of sucked because there was a significant portion of the black community. When you listen to those clips from the pound cake speech there's black people in the audience cheering and clapping so it's like it's it's not just so i don't want to be, it's not just that cosby made all black people mad he sort of created a rift in the black community for the first time in his career right but also that was you know the same sort of rift that that chris rock artfully very much explored. and it's funny because i did a documentary about chris rock and we talk about black people versus uh that bit yeah and uh man i don't even want to say it because now rogan's ruined the n-word uh <laughs> but uh the idea being that like oh no does you mean we got you guys gotta take the n-word back <laughs> we gotta take it back Again? <laughs> like, he's ruined it for me i'm yeah. not saying he's ruined yeah. for all of us but uh but the idea being that like chris and he says in the doc that i did with him i'm of that community so when i'm criticizing it they know I'm a hip hop guy. I'm not a guy who's oh, like. Oh, so he's not coming at it. He's not coming at it from an outsider. Like from Cosby does not live in the community old anymore. Man, no. Right. And and Chris would even admit like he wouldn't do that bit now because right. he's not. It's he's a different guy. But yeah. when he did it, he was a dude who was in Brooklyn a lot. Right, you know, right, and right. and right. and people saw him around. Yeah, you know, yeah, so yeah. he wasn't a dude who was, and he was also very much tied into hip hop artists that are doing the same thing sure, in there so sure, yeah whereas yeah. cosby it was like it came out of nowhere it came from like you every time we'd seen him up to that point he was telling us how to do better and that we could do better and it felt like he was reaching his hand out to us and that was the fr- and also this is the thing i think is so critical he wasn't turning on all ki- all parents in america who were doing poorly he was turning on black moms yeah so it wasn't like he was like a lot of you parents out here are, are mecking up he was at the naacp turning on generally black moms who were struggling and their kids and that was sort of like that was like the a, a big, uh, what would you call it? disappointment? Big. Yeah, it was like a seismic shift. But in in sort of like how we saw Cosby. But I saw Cosby do stand up twice after that because when you saw him do stand up, he wasn't doing that. Like me and Avery went and saw so him again. The, you have to accommodate these different sides of Cosby. We were at our, and this is what I think Hannibal did so well is that we were allowed to because of the media landscape, and we're not on Twitter, and social media is not telling us what the yeah. like what you're allowed to sort of go. Okay, I'm going to see this Cosby. I'm not going to see. I'm not thinking about the Cosby who has these rape allegations. I'm not thinking about the Cosby who's doing pound cake speech. I'm just going to spend two hours with this guy talking about his grandkids and his wife and the remote control, which yeah. is what I did at the Paramount Theater in Oakland. How was that? It was great. He closed on the dentist uh-huh. and everybody laughed like we'd never heard it before. <laughs> like he literally at the end of like at, like at the end of his bit, he just went the dentist and we all went, yay. Wow. He 
he knew he knew his shtick. Yeah. And so, and then Hannibal goes, "No, you're not allowed to do that anymore. <laughs> you're not allowed to think about these things separately." Not but that he, he that didn't like like when I heard that stuff or when it finally got to me, I was surprised. I didn't know anything. And first, why do you think at that moment it picked up? I mean, I had heard these. Because by then, by 2004, Andrew Constance's case had been around. There had been other women who had come forward. So, like, I I definitely was one of the people who was like, yeah, I don't know why I haven't been able to put these things. I don't know why. I, I'm sorry. I haven't been able to put these things in one place in my head. Yeah. I think it was like, it's just the perfect storm. Hannibal, he's a black comedian. He's in Philadelphia. He, YouTube is, start, is a thing now. Yeah. Cell phones can now get video footage. Yeah. The person who got the video footage was also a journalist. I, it was like, it was just like the perfect storm of like, it couldn't have happened any other way. If the yeah. guy, if, if, if there's no cell phone footage of it, maybe the story gets out, but it doesn't play the same. Did Cosby ever comment on Hannibal? He has generally commented through publicists, but I don't think he ever, I don't think he, I don't remember him. Well, there's that one Hannibal. weird bit in when there's the, 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 the art collection was being shown. Yes. Wasn't yes. he asked about Hannibal? He was asked about, yes, he was, he was at the, so him and Camille. So it's like, there's this period of time when Hannibal does his bit and then, but it's before the accusations start coming forward in mass. So there's like a few weeks in there. Uh-huh. And so Cosby and, and Camille were doing, were hanging their art up at a museum, I think in Philly, but they were, or maybe in DC, they're giving their art collection to the Smithsonian, I think, or lending it to them. And they, it was just like, Camille and Bill and everybody's excited to talk to them and it's Bill Cosby and again nobody's thinking pound cake it's just America's dad is here and we're all with his art with his art and with his, his beautiful art and they're talking about it and they're smiling and there's all this footage of them smiling yeah. together and, and journalists smiling with them and I remember hearing on NPR uh, Scott Simon go he's talking about the art and he goes Mr. Cosby before I let you go I have to ask you something and we have footage in the thing of not of Scott Simon but an AP reporter doing the same thing yeah. like before I let you go yeah I have to ask you something, uh-huh. and it's about there's a, there's a comedian, and I don't think the guy at NPR, the guy on, that we have in the piece, doesn't even get Hannibal's name out. I don't think no. he's like there's a comedian who did, and Cosby's just like no, 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 we don't talk about that. Yeah, which is one thing to say, but then he then tells the guy to scuttle it. The word he uses, scuttle it. Don't use this bit. Where's your man? Where's where's the producer? Where's your person? Yeah, and then he he does the thing at one point. He goes, huh? To somebody who has clearly said nothing. <laughs> and they're like, what? Uh, 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 we need to get uh, talk to this person immediately. Yeah. And you can but he, feel he, he, he barely changed his tone, but his intensity and that and just Camille sitting there. I'm like, wow. Yeah. What, what kind of like gaslighting insanity? <sighs> You know, like you know, yeah. like what does she know? What she doesn't? You know, Judd Apatow did the most amazing joke about that. Did you hear him do it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Camille, <laughs> do you like your life? <laughs> it was like, I'll, like I'll forever, uh, you know, whatever judgments you have uh, of Judd as a comic. Yeah, that joke is like. He's good with me. And you know what? That's one of those jokes that like probably needed to be done by a white guy. Like I don't know that a black guy can get away with that joke. Like it's like She's one of those like, things. how does she not know? Is he hiding newspaper? You know, like I mean, we have a little section in the doc where I asked everybody who was like, Did you know his family? Did you see his family? And there's just a very consistent between the people I talked to, like, she was never around. Mm. So whatever their deal is, I think she knew when to not be around. And then he would use her to survivors, like, you have to go, Camille's on her way. Like there's a sense of like they understood the Camille meant I have to leave. Yeah, but but that, that probably wasn't even true. I'm sure. I mean, yeah, I don't get think out. I, I don't think that's a real sense of like. I think he's just, you know, he's doing whatever it takes to get this person out of his out so, of his out of his house. Right. So, but like, yeah, but yeah, so that 
we taught we this is the thing I did not know until we started doing the doc that Cosby had a history of bullying reporters and and calling reporters and demanding retractions and and threatening people's jobs even though he didn't have to he didn't have the ability to threaten their job and Mark Lamont Hill tells a story he's a professor at Temple about how Cosby called that guy was good yeah Mark's great Mark's great he's yeah he's an underrated resource so was that uh, that woman that the other Kieran Mayo wow yeah no that's what at some point I was like. I don't know if Showtime is going to be famous people, but we have good conversations in here. Oh, yeah. And we have people who speak well. And thinkers. And big thinkers and people who are clearly wrestling with it while I talk to them. And once Showtime was down, once they said, well, if you're once they were never they were always supportive. But once they were down, once they saw it and they let us do the the survivors sort of without extra music, without archival, without recreation, mm. they just let the women talk. It was like, well, we I know we have something here. All right. So so you do all this and you get these amazing like the, the sort of respect and time uh, uh, given to the survivors and to the and to all types of, of people trying and wrestling and assessing it both from. You know, a female point of view, a male point of view, you, you know, all of that. Yeah. Uh, uh, all fluid point of view. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, but when you're doing this, he's in jail. Yeah. So on some level, these people are speaking uh, from a place where a, a certain amount of justice mm-hmm. has been has been hand, doled out. Yeah. Handed. has been justice has been served. Yeah. And then, you know, before you finish it, he gets out. Yeah, on on a technicality, right? I mean, to be, I just want to be clear. A lawyer lawyers say it's not a technicality, but it is the way that we, the most of us who are not lawyers, understand it as a technicality. Right? Lawyers say it's like the truth is is that he struck a deal with one with uh, the with one DA, yeah. DA. That deal, the next DA came in and basically was like, "I'm going to put Bill Cosby in prison." So he opens, so he violates the deal, and then a new person comes in who goes, "No, now I'm going to go back to the original deal." So he's got to get out of prison. So it was like the 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 part that is ridiculous. You think power afforded him that? Yeah, I think the the power 100. percent Like, because first of all, the first, the deal was is involving the Andrea Constant case, and the deal was if you do this deposition about her case, uh-huh. you can say whatever you want to say. And we won't prosecute you, which is not a deal that a person without power gets. Yeah, that's not a deal. What's the if point of that? Because they were trying to wrap up the Andrea Constant. They were trying to wrap up Andrea Constant's case, and they, that was how they figured out how to do it. You come in here and tell us what happened. You tell us. You answer our questions, and then we will be able to wrap up Andrea Constant's case, and then you can go on and live your life. Huh. And so that was a that you know Andrew Constant had a civil case against him, but it was like the idea being that like do this, and so he did it. And that's where he says in the deposition, I mean, there's a couple things he says. One, he admits to giving women quaaludes for sex, but you can read that as like they want to have sex or right. not because he's party, not clear. man. But the thing he says that I, that the doc lands on that I had didn't know until I did the doc was about the fact that when he was with Andrea Constant and she is drugged, he says he's, a pro, he's sort of approaching her, however you want to put it. He's, and he says, I enter, the, I enter the space between permission and rejection and I'm not stopped. And as far as I'm concerned, I was like, that's that's the game. That's not a thing. Yeah. There's no space between permission and rejection, especially if you've drugged somebody already. Yeah. So that for me, it's like that's him admitting to his, his what he does. Mm. And I don't think a lot of people had heard that that way before. Yeah. And so that to me was like, I know a lot of people focus on the first part, but I want to focus on the second part. But yes. And and then he gets out. So to be Kieran Amayo, Michael Cord, who's a Philly lawyer, and we did a second interview with uh, – with Mark Lamont that were that we did after he got out of prison. What was your feeling then? Like what what happened for you 
when that happened because you were like nearing the end of the work, right? Yeah, we thought we were like our last day of filming, and we thought oh, like, yeah, really? yeah, we were in we were in Philly, yeah, and none of us there was no sense that this might happen. We yeah. didn't go to Philly because we thought it would happen, and I got a text message from a mutual friend of ours who's a comedian. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, who yeah. I'll, I can tell you later because he said, but uh, uh, and he was like, your doc just got more interesting. And I was like, and I run out of, I was in the bathroom. I run out of the bathroom like, everybody, I have news. But of course, everybody was on their phone. And I was like, I don't know what this is anymore. I, is it done? Yeah. And I, because a lot, there are Cosby docs out there that have, that have gotten to a place. There's one I know that I heard that is finished, but it just stopped, but it's just sitting on a shelf somewhere. Huh. So I was like, maybe this is what happens. Maybe it's done. Also, maybe it should be done because maybe it's not going to, maybe this is really not a good idea for me to do this anymore. So you thought like you had nothing. Well, I just thought that the story was too complicated and also too charged now that he was out. Like, maybe legally we can't do it. I don't know what any, like, especially the case, we had just heard he was out of prison, but he wasn't exonerated, which I didn't understand at that moment. Like, maybe we can't say anything. Maybe you have to put alleged before everything was But he happened. wasn't exonerated. No, he wasn't exonerated. It was just about the deal being violated, the deal for him to say whatever he wanted to say in the deposition. It wasn't about his guilt or innocence. Huh. Did you try to reach out to him? No. We, no point. We, there was a lot of talk. There was sort of we talked about it. Yeah. But two, one, it was always about the conversation around Bill Cosby, not a conversation with Bill Cosby. There is plenty of Bill Cosby footage in there. He's never wavered from what he what he he says. He's he's completely innocent. I don't believe that, and I don't think I can have a real. I don't. It doesn't. I can't have a conversation about his career. No. And it would have to be pointed. All the women who were all the women who were invited in. You're going to do that to them. No, I'm not going to sit there and go. I didn't do it. Yeah. And have them go. I know I told you that he wasn't going to be in it, but now he's out. Yeah. And guess what? He says he didn't do it. Yeah. And what is, and you know, he also said that he named you by name and and there's a lawyer there. And and to me, it was just like, that's not what this is. Exactly. So after that happens, Mm -hmm. so you're sort of left with, you know, everything you've done, you've got Mm -hmm. four hours of this that you Mm -hmm. put together and you, you, what you're really left with is I still have to figure out. Yeah. I what mean, I do with this, the, these two sides of, the, of this guy. You'll appreciate this uh, uh, sort of version of it. I thought of it as a, like, as I started saying this out loud, this is like that TV show Chopped. I just, these are the ingredients I have. Yeah. I have to make them into something. Well, do you think that, you know, because like now that we're talking about it, it feels to me that culturally there is a verdict. And and that for the most part, you know, yeah. people believe it. For, yeah, I would say that. I mean, you know, who, yes, that that there's a, a there's a large percentage of people who believe who believe the survivors, but they haven't. The, I think the doc, if they watch it, makes them dig into it and believe in a different way. Yeah, and also, but you know, I think that one thing that it may address that it isn't that isn't really spoken is that you know all the people that loved him, you know, they're. There, there's a shame equation to it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's a shame equation to to continuing to love him mm-hmm, in light of it. Mm-hmm. That you know, it, it it's it's a hard reckoning for an mm-hmm. individual, even if it's not that important or or upfront. Mm-hmm. But you know, to love somebody you believe did horrible things repeatedly and still have empathy for the victims and I mean the survivors. Mm-hmm. There's 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 got to be shame in that. Well, and I think that. We had a section that we had to pull out for time, mostly, where we asked everybody, would you show, would you watch this stuff again? Would you show it to kids? And so where we had lots of people go through how they would reckon with it. Like what, what stuff? Like, would you show episodes of the Cosby show to kids in your life? Uh-huh. Would you watch, would you listen to them do stand up again? Uh-huh. Do you, do you do this? Uh-huh. And the idea is sort of to show like how people are reckoning with it. And it's all, 
very everybody has their own way. Most people said no, but then we had people say yes. But the idea being that like, and this is what I sort of come to now is that first of all, we all separate art from the artist all the time, just in ways that we don't think about. Yeah, because we don't know a lot too. Well, we don't know, or we don't, or we don't judge the thing that some some things we don't judge is harsh. Other people are judging is harsh. Uh-huh. I think of much, and I'm doing this on purpose. Eric Clapton right now. <laughs> like, there's a whole lot of like, yeah. I didn't know. I didn't know the racist story from the past. I don't. He's an anti-vaxxer, coronavirus conspiracy guy, but right. he has 50, 40 years of music that I've loved. Yeah. And so, well, not, not me, not yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, no, I know what you're saying. Hendrix was always better. I don't, I don't well, no, know. No, no, yeah. I have problems with Clapton. Other yeah. than that, but I know what you're saying. But you, but the idea that like we are sort of we do it, we we do it a lot. But the problem with the Cosby thing is, and this is a problem with generally is that when somebody else doesn't separate it the way you do, then people that's where the problem lies. And I think what we have to have understand, we have to have empathy for the fact that like I'm going to separate it here, but that doesn't mean other people are going to separate it in the same place. And right now we spend a lot of time arguing about these lines on social media in ways that aren't productive. And what I'm saying is like, look, I, here's how I feel about it. I can think positively about some of the stuff that Cosby did, but I'm not ever going to forget about the survivors. Mm-hmm. So there is a universe in which I show my three daughters at some point that scene from the Cosby show where they're, where they're doing the, the lip sync of Ray Charles. Yeah. Because that's like in me like, the, like, like how some people feel at the moon landing. That's in me. Hmm. But I'm definitely going to contextualize it. It's in whatever age-appropriate way is necessary at that point. It, but, you know, it's like, it, I think that's one of the things that, like, you know, as as much as I like the documentary and I like you, it's it's tricky. Yeah. Because it's like, you know, I get what you're saying, and I get that you're saying that, you know, we do it all the time with art and artists. But, like, whatever Clapton's transgressions are, they're not 60 rapes. No, no, no. I'm, and I'm not saying no, that. But like, was, no, yeah. but, no, but yeah. I'm saying even you know, yeah. without the, the Clapton yeah. example, yeah. Like I'm trying to picture you showing your kids this, and then trying to say like, "There's a problem with this guy." I mean, <laughs> I feel like I've, I feel like we've done we've done I've done this with my kids. There's a there's a problem with America. Okay, okay. <laughs> like so, like yeah, but I, America's not you know doing the Ray Charles whip sinking. Yeah, but America but, has. Here's the good thing about this country. I mean, okay. I think this is what I feel okay. about. So there, there are some people who are like. Why would a black man tear down a black man? Why would you do why blah blah blah? All these. I don't things. think you're tearing him down. I think that's, I, I, you're I think just, people who say that haven't seen it. But. Yeah, I th- but I also think you're just you know contextualized. Yeah, but I feel like this, like as a black person in this country, and this is, this is even true of Jews, mm. we have the ability to go. Here's the good part about America. Yeah. Here's the bad part about America. Yeah. And you have the ability and to the hold that. And the bad part is winning. <laughs> I feel fair. I've looked into New Zealand a lot. Please. Yeah. New Zealand, hit me uh-huh, up. Uh-huh. But like, I think it's, it's about, we do that regularly where you go, this is the you know, greatest country on earth. I mean, that's not true. But right. But we sort of grew up we in this greatest country yeah, on earth. believe it. And also, don't go down that street because they don't like your people down that street. Sure. And no. so I think or that state. like- yeah, this is don't go down that state. But I do think that like I'm not saying like today I'm going home to play this thing for my ten year old. I'm saying there is some point in her life where it might come across her face, and I have to go, yeah, and right, or mm-hmm. somehow it comes up in conversation like where it's like, and this has happened. You know, we've sat and watched all sorts of things where it's like these people aren't good people, and I think kids are actually more capable of understanding that, or these people did bad things. Uh-huh. Kids are capable of understanding that because they do bad things, but they're not bad people. Yeah, yeah I understand. But I, but I understand. But here's the thing. I'm not... Here's what I'm saying. All this stuff dies on the vine. Mm. All, all comedy dies on the vine. Eventually, nobody's paying attention to the biggest, you know, whatever. 
But right now, as a person, as people of my generation, if you're black, if that Cosby stuff is in you, you have to. I can recognize that it's in me, mm. and I can recognize that even when I watch for the purposes of this doc, and I sat and would watch like the dentist, I would be like, "Man, look what he did there." Yeah. But that doesn't for a second. That's why I always talked about the other shoe dropping mean that I'm going to one forget about the survivors, or two, I'm not going to tweet out everybody. I know there's a lot out there about Bill Cosby, but watch this clip from himself. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, yeah, I know. I get it, I get it. But the, I mean, if, for a second, because that's that would be naive and dumb on my part to do that. Yeah. So, but I don't think sitting here inside my sitting with myself, talking to trusted people in my life, I always talk about the way you text people in the group chat is not how you speak in the world. Yeah. That there are ways to have those conversations that are ultimately, and for me, the purpose of having it is to go, what can we learn from this? And specifically with Cosby and show business, how do we limit the damage of this? Right. But but this is also an argument to be made for um, that, that woman's interpretation, the psychological interpretation, that like, yes, all this may be true, mm-hmm. but clearly this guy was putting on a show to cover up the fact mm-hmm. that he liked to do this other thing. And yes, Renee Graham, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's another way to teach your kids about show business. Exactly. You know, because the, the lesson you're trying to, to, like, the thing is, is like, there is a way to, to have empathy for survivors, to present this guy as a guy who was a, a, a progressive and important voice. Yeah. And, and also, you know, had this horrible sickness, this evil yeah. compulsion. I don't even want to put it on, because I feel like sickness makes it sound like that he's. Okay, he, this evil yeah, compulsion. He did these things, yes, yes. This predatory nature, mm-hmm. you know, but like, it's, it's a delicate line because you're saying that how do we shift the, the, the environment? Yeah. How do we make the environment so this doesn't happen when when so much about you know the ego of performing is about getting this love or doing these things or mm-hmm. having this freedom to to take liberties mm-hmm. that are, are are predatory and disgusting you know what what becomes of it all if you can't just pathologize people and say like that guy was a fuck all well, the way around this is how i think about it is that I think showbiz encourages everybody below the top of the below the top of the call sheet to look the other way, just generally. Right, but the, but the, but the, what Mo Ryan was speaking to, and what what is correct is, is that she said is that this is this is a, a, a it's intentional corporate oversight. Yes. in the name of profit. And I was happy that she said it. And she said, "Toss the whole industry into the motherfucking sun," <laughs> which was like my like, I want that on a t shirt. Yes, that, that that I we I really did not want this to, and it may have skewed this way because it's about Cosby uh-huh. to be about one bad guy. It's about one bad guy in an industry that that allowed him to be a bad guy. Yeah, but the, but yeah, but but the corporate decision making about the corporate like, decision making is like this, here we get it. Yeah, you know, we, uh, there's a problem. Yeah, but. Uh, we can still make a little money. I yeah, mean, we no, can still make a little money. For sure. And I think, you know, the thing that I've been saying is that, you know, when they built show business, they didn't go, before we start making dreams, where do we put the human resources department? No. that's And so for me, it's about like prioritizing that yeah, version yeah, of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. That priority go before and like. Before we start making dreams, we've got to realize there's going to be a lot of dream debris. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That, and we need to figure out what do we do with all that <laughs> dream, dream debris? debris. The, yeah. the, 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 the yeah. off gas of dreams. The broken hearts and busted people. Yeah. And, and criminal they, and, intentions. And show business has never done a good job of that and we come out of the comedy club world where it's like you know where there's like you've seen the thing on the like in the green where it says don't have sex with the wait staff or whatever and sure. that's that's the human resources department yeah, is yeah, please yeah. don't do that yeah someone's not coming back to this club again yeah yeah okay so uh now what what what's the pushback then 
I mean, you know, I have like, I, you know, I've withdrawn from lots of social media just because I, because I, there's no reason to sort of like, I mean, if, to be fair, I don't read all the good reviews either, but I definitely am like, there is, there, <laughs> I stumbled across and I didn't watch it, but like YouTube, because it knows I care about Bill Cosby and me, will share, look at this video, an hour and a half long video about how W. Kamau Bell is the guy we need to talk about, not Bill Cosby. And Why? You, yeah, and you just go, all right, I'm going to go ahead and just uh, yeah, not, <laughs> skip that one. Yeah, you know, yeah, so yeah, yeah. There, are certainly, the there are certainly people, and I've seen some articles because I get Showtime shares like the, the breaks of, like, yeah. of all the things that are coming out, and they're yeah. not all good. But there are certainly uh, people in show business and people out of show business and people, cultural commentators, and, and many of whom are black who just, who I don't believe have seen it. But even if they have, you know, there's videos where you know I'm a sellout, or I'm a, or I've, uh, I'm an industry shill, or oh, I've, oh. or I've been hired to take down a black man. Uh-huh. And again, if you have, if you see it, you know, I'm not taking down a black man. Yeah. But also, like, there's been people who are like, even if he did those bad things, why are we talking about it now? What's yeah. the point? Yeah. And for me, it's like America does a good job of never thinking it's time to have the big conversation. Uh-huh. So I just feel like they we're talking about it now because we're talking about it now, and it needs to be talked about. And sure. if you don't, and if you don't want to make, and the thing I've said that I've seen clipped in other places is like what we're doing. Cause there's also this idea that this is all white women. It's not, we address that in the yeah. piece that if you say we don't want to, if you're prioritizing this, if you're prioritizing this one black man's voice, third, a third of the survivors are black women. Why are we prioritizing his voice over their voices? And so for me, it's like the pushback is, you know, is from a type of person who, is always going to ride for black men over black women. And also made more complicated the fact that the black guy who made it is married to a white woman. Mm. So like I'm, I'm not, from a lot of people that off top, I can't be trusted. Huh? Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. So you got it. You're carrying a lot. I am carrying. I mean, you know, uh, <laughs> this is not, a, I didn't release a Marvel movie. Yeah. You know, and, and that would be, and I also understand that like, what I'm getting is not anything close to what a lot of the survivors get, but they have actually reached out to me to, to sort of see they get they got my back. So it's great. But yeah, it is there's a part of this that is like it's the best reviewed thing I've ever released. It's the most acclaiming things I've ever gotten that I've released. But I can't just sit, sit here and celebrate it because it's about some pretty intense shit that for the rest of my life there I'm gonna walk into rooms and have some people go, That motherfucker. Yeah. And so it's like I and I say that to my wife and my friends, like, yeah, I can't because there is some sense of like, yay, and I'm like, yeah, I'm not I maybe I don't I don't know if I'll ever be there. I'm happy that there are people receiving the work the way it was intended. I'm happy that the survivors who were in it all I've heard from have been like are really appreciated and they've been able to watch it even though it's not just about that. So I feel like there is building that can come off this work and people feel like I I accomplished a very difficult thing to do in some sense and I yeah. know it's not perfect, but it's also like you know as I said to my best friend Jason, I'm like, well, at least I'm not the black guy who talked to the Klan anymore. <laughs> <laughs> like I, my my op my my obit is going to have yeah. a different starting line now. Well, I mean, I think these are just the the it, it's the cost of doing something like this. It's the, it's the cost of of putting yourself out there, taking the risk, and 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 you know, and trying to uh, you know, present something in a, in a journalistic way that's provocative. It's always going to be, you know. This fucking guy. Yeah, no, and I and I. The funny thing for me is that like I'm literally just a dude who was like, I love Bill Cosby and I love Eddie Murphy and I hope one day to be on Saturday Night Live. <laughs> like that was that's where this all started. That's where this all started. So your, I your career in comedy. Yeah, yeah. So I just was like, I so I sit here sometimes like, how did this and how did what <laughs> like whose idea was well, all of this? Well, a lot of it has to do with you know a a, a sense, yeah, just the, a quest for 
you know, justice in general. I mean, yeah. that, that, you know, and and also the, the the a quest for you know the, the progress. Well, yeah, these are ideas I would be wrestling with on my own. That's what and, you grew up with, and now I'm in the yes, and now I'm in the position where I can wrestle with them in my work. So yeah. it's like it's not like I wouldn't. It's not like somebody came to me like some people were like Hollywood made him do this or white Hollywood. No, it's like even, no, no, no. Even yeah. you and Eddie Murphy and, and Bill Cosby and and and, and SNL. You know, by the time you started doing stand up. That wasn't what no, you were no, doing. No, no, no. It was it just you were was, doing it was, the other. Thing. It was too late. Yeah, it was too late. It was too late. Yeah, yeah. I got shit to talk about. It was. It was like I gotta find my truth and and I gotta find my voice because I read prior convictions and Richard Pryor said it's all about finding your voice. So I got to find the comedy yeah. octopus. I think he called it. I got to yeah. figure out the find out. Yeah, yeah. So I was always headed down the yeah, even yeah. if I didn't the know the truth it. path. Yeah. Good talking to you, man. Good job. Thanks, man. There you go. That's it. We Need to Talk About Cosby is now available on Showtime. Always good to see Kamau. I'm alive. I hope you're well. Here's some guitar, like usual. It's probably something you've heard from me before. I don't know anymore. Enjoy. Monkey in La Fonda, cat angels everywhere.